Sword. I'm David Moulton. I'm Scott Herzog. And I'm Jim Arrowwood. Hi, Jim Arrowwood. <laughs> How in the heck are you Yo. doing? <laughs> hey, I'm doing good. How about you guys? Good, good. Fabulous. It's great to be on a podcast with the loot. Ah, <laughs> uh, that's branding right there. Yeah, branding. <laughs> loot you, master. Anyone ever called you that before, Jim? <laughs> Never. He's never heard. No, no, you're the very, very first and probably the very, very last. Right, right, right. Yes. Well, in this episode. Alpha and Omega. That's that's right. That's right. What you don't know is he was like a minstrel on board the the ship that James, that that our main character, James Holden's on. Oh, really? Yeah. He's actually playing loot in the background as they're fighting and doing everything. He's like speeds it up. He's a soundtrack. For we thought ship. it was a crew of four here. It was actually five. Right. The there's, whole time. A, there's a fifth person. Yeah. They don't mention it because yeah, was, they try to keep it like I, secret. Yeah. I, I was hiding in that closet just off of uh, Naomi's room. Uh, way to pick way to pick Naomi's room. Yeah. I mean, come on. Yeah. I didn't pick anything. That's where they put me. That's where they put you. So does that mean like when, when they leave the ship, you come out of the clo- I'm just kidding. <laughs> Ooh. <laughs> oh. Oh, I just yes, just, just let's move on. Okay. What in the heck's this book Amen. about? I need a refresher. We Tell are, me an entire summary, please. Well, we're reviewing Abaddon's Gate by James S. A. Corey. Uh, and in this story, we continue our journey with uh, James Holden and his crew of the Rosinante. As uh, I believe the, the beginning of this book, they kind of lose their their work. As um, it's this one, right? Where they lose their their work at the beginning, and they have to kind of go uh, not rogue, but they have to find start finding their own jobs. I thought that was like the other book. Is it? Is thought, it the other book? I thought it was the beginning of this one, and then well. Either way, at the beginning of this, they're doing their own thing. And right. They are doing their own thing. Yeah. And but, they, but they pissed off Fred Johnson in the last book. Okay. All right. So they're doing their own mm-hmm. thing, and they kind of, they go to uh, they go to do a job, and they find out they've kind of been blacklisted because someone's kind of given them a bad name, <laughs> and that the Mars wants the ship back. And so they kind of take on this last-ditch thing to kind of get get some uh, notability and get their uh and it's all a there. setup it's, it's a setup it's all a setup because the uh the proto molecule has launched this giant gate into space yes and they don't know what's on the other side anything that's entered in it just kind of stops disappears and disappears so uh, all of the uh all of the human forces are winding up at the door of this thing coming together and the rosinante is there to to film a uh documentary and um her to help with the filming of a documentary and people are trying to get it and kill holden and yeah a bunch of stuff happens they go inside the gate big person in this show is miller though oh yeah no we, we, we can't i can't wait to talk about miller hey jim i have a i have a request for you in the loot 
I was wondering if you do okay. the Bon Jovi version of you gave Rosinante a bad name. That one. Yeah, I think I think that that would work. And a little bit of Bon Jovi. I mean, with you playing in the the lute, it'd be great. I love it. I'm still trying to figure out Purple Haze. <laughs> uh, maybe it's that's not easy why on a 24 string lute. Let me tell you. <laughs> tell me about it. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so what do we add? Like initial thoughts here? What you know, we this is the third book in the series and uh and uh the series is so richly developed in character. You know, when you when you get into it, um is it still after three books feeling fresh and new to you? I'll start. Yeah, I feel like uh yes, that was one of the things I noted immediately when I started reading. I was expecting us to jump right back in with like uh, known characters and kind of just kind of get right back into the groove and instantly. And this is kind of, he does this every book or they do this every book. You're met with new characters right off the bat and, and like you're learning new people. So that keeps it really fresh and and you get these, you get into the lives of these new characters before he kind of bounces you back to what you know. Right. And then says, okay, well, we've got these new things. You got this new stuff going on. By the way, here's how our people are going to fit into that. Right. And and I, I really enjoyed the way that, that that that's kind of worked out here. I also think that this book does a good job at, like, simultaneously answering questions while... Raising new ones. Raising new ones. So yeah. it was very satisfactory uh, in, in what you got to learn, as well as what was kept for later. You know, the other thing that, you know, you're saying that there's also, dropping the characters, there's also characters that feel notably missing. You know, I think of Bobby, you know, Bobby Draper, who was so instrumental in book two, referenced right. at most. She, referenced yeah, she most. got mentioned. Mm-hmm. Yeah. A couple times. Yeah. yeah. I, I honestly thought that, um, what's her name? Uh, the, uh, the like lady who worked for the government. I can't think. It was. Uh, oh, Avisa. Yeah. I can't even say it. Yeah. <laughs> Not as well as Jim Kent. But uh, I thought that she would have been. In it, but then there's like a character that's very similar to her in her in her place. Right. And it's important to note that as you go on the series, both those characters do p- come back. Just like, you know, last time they referenced Miller, Miller's gone. And then at the end, they put that sweet little nugget. The end was saying, I, we got to talk. And then boom, Miller's back. And so who's back? <laughs> Miller. It's like. Hello, mic drop, I'm off. You know, it's just one of those perfect moments, right? Um, yeah, but this is Miller Lite. Yeah. <laughs> oh, 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 Jim, we, how long were you holding on to that? Yeah, you know, <laughs> probably since we were supposed to podcast a month ago, he's probably been holding on to it a month. That, that whole time. Yeah. <laughs> Miller Lite. Fantastic. Go back to loot playing, buddy, okay? Yeah. Oh, <laughs> oh Miller Lite. Uh, but, you yeah. know, uh, I do want to talk about that later, but let's find out a little bit. Uh, Jim, uh, what was it like coming back to this series, third book? Uh, still as excited about it as you were book one and two, uh, more so, less so. What's going on? I really, really enjoyed this book. It was it was fun to read. And as as David pointed out, it was a whole new a whole new book and kind of a different story. Um, I was kind of anxious to see what was going on with, with this, with this, uh, gate or, or this wormhole thing or whatever, whatever it exactly was. 
Um, and, you know, of course, I, I watched the show before I read the book, so I was able to do some visualizations. And um, But, you know, again, what really stands out to me are the characters and the depth of the characters and how they interact with each other is probably the best the best part of this story. I would uh, agree with that. It is one of the things. You know, so I read this book three times, um, and I forget why I uh, I read it. Okay, so this was the book that originally got me into the the Vitham Wake series. Um, I read it like a year and a half ago, and then we decided, oh, let's go read it, and I realized it was part of this larger series, and so started at book one with you guys and then kept reading. And then when we, and I read ahead, as you guys know, and then I went back and reread it again because I knew we were going to record the show. So I read it three times. And the thing that continues to impress me about this is the, the characters are immensely flawed. You don't come off with, I mean, you look at Bull and his alcoholism, right? And, and then not only is he like psychologically flawed, he's also flawed physically when the station hits uh, slow down, right? Um, and, uh, and they go through the ring and it just, you know, it just wrecks havoc and everything. Um, so you have that, and then you have, uh, Clarissa, Clarissa Mao, who's also, you know, and, you know, immensely flawed, um, but has some redeemability about her. So she's not, uh, she's a case for not writing someone off just because they made one huge bad mistake. Right. Um, uh, and then you have, I mean, all along the way, you have characters that are just woefully imperfect and somehow they come together and they make a story that grabs you, compels you, draws you in. Um, and I agree, Jim, uh, the thing that I'd like about the story is you get to the gate, you won't, you don't know what's going on with this gate. There's this alien artifact. And then voila, at the end, you discover through Miller that, all these gates have been open and we have access to now a gazillion worlds, you know? Yes. Um, yeah. <laughs> the, the problem is though, is, uh, all these gates are controlled by the Borg because exactly. it's a hive mind that it built this mind, thing. Yeah. So that's well, a little scary. It is, but they don't really control them. They just open them up. <laughs> <laughs> so we'll see. We'll see. Yeah, so <laughs> the Borg, the Borg. Oh, <laughs> uh, you know, and I we just did a podcast on First Contact, Jim. Um, I I listened to it today. Oh, did you? So the conversation in that for David, who didn't listen to it, uh, is you know what is the worst villain or the best villain in Star Trek? And people were divided, and the Borg was I think Chrissy's, and then uh, uh, Miles had uh, which was the one from Deep Space Nine. Yeah, Cardassians. Cardassians and um Cardassians are the um you mean the people from the wormhole. Um and there was a third one. I forget what they were But anyways, there was like three villains that were in contention for it. But so when you mentioned the Borg and, and the Dominion. The Dominion, yeah, thank you. The Dominion, yeah. See, I pay attention. See, yeah. <laughs> See, I obviously don't. No. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh, uh, you got a few irons in the fire there too. So uh, it's true. All right. So yeah. uh to where where are we at? So so we liked it. Coming back to it, that seems to be the consensus. Yeah. And um 
Where are we gonna? Where, what are we gonna talk about? What typically do we hit next? Well, let, let's move on to characters, and let's start with the very first character, Maneo Jung Espinoza. You remember who that is? Yeah. That, well, that's the um, that's the goofy eighteen-year-old who's doing the futuristic YouTube video of flying into this thing. Oh yeah, that goes really well yeah. for him, by the way. Yeah, I thought yeah. I was thinking of Anna at first. I was like, wait, that's not Anna. Yeah, <laughs> do, you, do you know what's interesting about what's interesting about um that character is. So you see it, and boom, he becomes a red smear in his, you know, when he goes through. And then you find out later that he's still broadcasting in some way. Um, And that was interesting, the way they brought that back, because initially it just seems to be like the opening scene, right? Seems unrelated. But he splattered all over the, you know, all over the the camera and everything in the front, and uh, the ship wasn't damaged. He was damaged, but the ship wasn't. Right. And it slowed down to that 600 meters per second. Whatever the slow zone allows. Mm hmm. I kept picturing like some like late night DJ saying, and now we're going to the slow zone. (laughs) Oh, yeah. And all this guy, all this guy's trying to do is impress his cousin. Right, right. That's right. Yeah. See, that's what you get for trying to impress people. Be yourself, buddy. Be yourself. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, Yeah. I thought it was going to go like, you know, the last two have had have had like a real personal turnaround to the opening character. Yeah, this this one did not. Well, he had a he had a turnaround. Well, I mean, (laughs) it was connected. He had a turnaround (laughs) to the wall. I kept envisioning (laughs) for gamers, they'll understand it, but I kept picturing picturing him say Leroy Jenkins, (laughs) and you're all you know into the starting the big mob. Yeah, (laughs) no, he. uh, (laughs) <laughs> he did not have a good end, and you know it. It kind of set the parameters of what was going on. Well, it made all the other. It made you really suspicious, suspicious yeah. of what this ring was about, and that that it, it created the helped create this vibe of the unknown and the fear. Yeah, but it showed that you don't just fly into Morador, right? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I was just going to make that reference. <laughs> Yeah, so, you can't just waltz in through the front gate. They yeah. gave him a lot of yeah, personality I, for a character. They were just gonna splat against the ball really quick. They did. Yeah. Well, you know, I I suppose that would probably could be considered some misdirection on the part of the the author to, hey, you know, this is an interesting kind of guy. Yeah, He's let really me invest weird. in him. <laughs> yeah. I mean, this is a guy from 2018. Blat. Oh, well, that was a guy from 2018. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. So now, um, well, I guess we can move on to Holden, who is just always Holden. <laughs> always Holden. Yep. Yeah. And, and the Rossi crew. Uh, the only thing about Holden is, is now he is receiving uh, visits from Miller Light, I mean, uh, from yes. Joe Miller. Yeah, I, I'm okay with calling him Miller Light. We should call him Miller Light throughout the rest of the show. Uh, but, okay. but you know, and it's and it's funny because you know, uh, he's the only one that can see Miller, right? Which is a bit suspicious, right? And and Miller never comes out and really says what he means. Yeah, it's yeah. like he's on the half of a conversation with halls the guy. and corners, buddy. Halls and corners. Yeah, is. <laughs> 
Yeah, and the only one who yeah. knows about that he sees him, him is uh, is um, what's her face, Naomi. Aunt Naomi. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. it's it, I I thought that that was kind of interesting because I was expecting a bigger reveal there, and for when they finally get around to it, for just being like, well, this has been going on for like a year, and I don't know what this guy's talking to me about. He just keeps right. showing up, just keeps popping just, up. That's just the thing that happens mm. now. And yeah, but doesn't it fuel? I, I feel like one of the things he's dealing with a lot in this book um, is uh, like guilt over, over the things that he's kind of caught, like the bigger things that he's caused. Isn't that more of a theme here? Uh, I don't know that I pick up a lot of guilt from, from uh, him. It's interesting that, I mean, he, he does like kind of confess for being a jerk to Naomi. Um, but the thing that makes Holden Holden is he's when, when the truth is presented to him, he's willing to kind of acknowledge it. Uh, yeah. And he, he unjerked himself because right. he, he was definitely not being a very nice person for a while. And right. It, that, and he almost lost Naomi over it. So he, he came back. Right. But it was more Miller, you know, when it comes down to it, Miller was part of that machine. He was, he was, he was a piece of, or, or an extension of that proto molecule, that molecule that was actually in Holden's head, I think. Yeah. Well, is there one in his, in his head? The uh, way that I thought it was like a radio transmission into his brain, like directly into his brain. Well, I, I won't spoil anything. They answer this in book five. Oh, only okay. two more books to go. <laughs> yeah, so if you want to find out, book five, they do tell you what's happening. Okay. And uh, by that time, you, you just kind of are, you're just kind of used to Miller being around again. And then, mm-hmm. yeah. Your new nickname is Mr. Readahead. Mr. Readahead. <laughs> Mr. Readahead. You can call me that, Mr. Readahead. But, you know, yeah. Um, he, I mean, Miller is the reason that he goes out to the station. I mean, he wouldn't have got the station off of lockdown without Miller or without, without a version of Miller because the version of the ship doesn't seem to be exactly the same version on the, uh, on the hub of that's kind of controlling all these gates. They, they, they kind of make it, well, for, well, just to back up a little bit, they, well, they haven't gotten to the version on the ship yet in, so, in the series for where we're at. That hasn't happened yet. What do you mean? I mean, like you're talking at the end, like you no. start. He, oh, you're talking about before. I'm talking about the, okay. the the Miller that he's seeing on the Resonante okay. is not the same Miller that he's on the the central hub okay. when he goes to get the entire right. gates and lockdown. I thought you meant going forward. I was like, oh no, okay, no, yeah. no, okay, no, uh, yeah, no, no. But he they kind of explained it as being like they were kind of he was one he was further away, and then two, like tuning it in to him like every time they connected they were tuning it a little bit more right to kind of get it right and kind of so that he, yeah. so that they could communicate but at the same time like he but i guess we can just move on to 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 um miller light but miller light is kind of like very clear clearly he's like i'm not miller and like i i am a program eluding that he has objectives and he oh, yeah. is manipulating Holden, right? Because of the objective, so everything that he says is kind of questioned. You're kind of like, oh yeah. I mean, I mean, you want to trust him because it's Miller Lite, but at the same time, it 
you're like, wait a second, he doesn't really think this way. Like something's telling him, no, to do, yeah, yeah, to do this. But and yet, yet their he, objectives, at least in part, seem the same. They want to get everything off a of lockdown so they can get out of that. And well, was. and he's um, he is someone that is familiar to Holden that won't scare him half to death. Yeah, you know, because. Because Holden, for a time, he's questioning his own sanity, along with everybody else on the ship questioning his sanity because they keep catching him talking to nothing. Right. Well, it could you know? be. I mean, it could have easily been Julie Mao. I mean, for that matter. But it's it's Miller. I think because of yeah. the inquisitive well, investigativeness of Miller, they this like there's a lot of things that he says that are very distinctly Miller. And I imagine, and you don't need to spoil it, Mr. Reed ahead, but I imagine (laughs) he alludes that when they finish doing what his objective was, he's like, well, I should have shut down, but like my program was to do this one thing. And one of the parameters loosely could be taken as not met. And I'm curious as to why that is. So I'm going to stick around. So he's expanding beyond his parameters. I mean, if you want to say like data or any, any type of AI type thing that grows its own personality, I think. I imagine that we're going to find that Miller Lite kind of grows into a similar to Miller, but new type of character, uh, personality-wise, hmm. I would imagine. But Mr. Rita has given me this look like, no, no, I, I, I know no, things, no, 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 and, no, no, uh, you I, don't know things. Yeah, it's, um, <laughs> move along, move along. Nothing to yeah. see here. Move along. <laughs> we, uh, we, we meet a new, re, a new uh, character named Monica Stewart. Who, yes, uh, the reporter happens along just as Mars is demanding the ship back. That's the, the right. Rossi. They want the Rossi back, and Monica Stewart comes along as a reporter and says, "Well, I can commandeer most anything I want or take anything I want uh, because I am a reporter, and we have to get this story out." Right. So she saves. Uh, Holden and the crew from winding up having to uh, turn the ship over. However, out to the ring they had. However, she doesn't necessarily save them, <laughs> you know, because in the end, it's one of her crew that has kind of sabotaged the Rosinante. Well, that's just it. I, I kind of read it, even though she thought she was doing her job, the whole thing was manipulated by Mao. Oh, yeah, by Clarissa Mao. Yeah. To, like, this is an mm-hmm. elaborate, like, she has put so much thought into, number one, getting herself aboard the other ships, getting tech on board the Rosinante, orchestrating everything, all because she's pissed at James Holden for what he did to her father. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And blames her for blames her for his sister too, right? Yep, sister, father, you name it. It's James Holden's fault, and she is yep. not dumb. And and in holy crap, that implanter <laughs> talking about a babe taking names and kicking butts. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And this was this was her. Yeah. Well, uh, you know it, and it wasn't Clarissa Mao. It was. Melba Co. Yes, yes. That that was the the absolute badass. Let me tell you. Yeah. Well, I mean, they're the same person. They are the same yeah, person. Just yeah, but but she would. If I start, she, she go ahead. 
they they replaced apparently they replaced her Clarissa Mao personality with this Melba Co. I think it was just her identity. I don't yeah, think it was. Just it was her identity, it's yeah. not. It's not like physically, like mentally, psychologically. Okay, she's still the same. And she person. had the. She had those implanted glands or yeah, something she still did. that she would mas- yeah. massage with her tongue and then yeah. turn into. Yeah, well, she turned into a Terminator. Yeah, absolutely. Was, she didn't physically change. It was all internal. Yeah. yeah. Um, if I started just, swirling my tongue here, David, you can uh, get, you out. Make, get out. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but I, oh, what a go ahead. what a neat thing that would be to have. Oh yeah. The downside to it seemed pretty brutal, though. I mean, there was. Oh uh, yes. They explained why it wasn't like a military thing anymore because it had like crying soldiers, baby soldiers all over the. Yeah, but see, now, it wouldn't necessarily have to give you super strength or something like that. You know, you could have one made up for super intelligence. Or super fine beard-growing skills. There like you. you. Yeah. You don't, or, need or you don't need that. Or super, super awesome loot playing. Exactly. <laughs> or speed reading so you can be just like Mr. Read Ahead. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I I liked where her character wound up. And I kind of am curious to see if uh it almost sensed like they were alluding to her connecting with and I can't remember which one. But uh I think the engineer Amos? Is that Amos? Yeah, yeah it's like, Amos. like her and Amos might there might be a spark there. Like, my hypothesis and I'm just not making eye contact with I, Mr. I, I, I know nothing. I know nothing. <laughs> is is that uh, she'll whatever the next adventure is, she'll still be on board at the beginning, and she'll wind up doing that with them, and then she'll wind up her and the engineer guy Amos, I guess, will uh, do, do, doing that yeah, with them the, is so vague. Well, and she'll whatever be the, the Rosinante's uh, version of uh, of uh, River Tam. Oh yes, yeah. Well, forget Clangay Bowl if you're a if you're a, a Game of Thrones fan. Uh. I'm waiting for uh, Mal and uh, was it Brenda from the last one in her suit to like go out at each other and fight each other, and that'll be a, <laughs> that'll be a oh Bobby and her Bobby that's Bobby the and Clayton that would be a match yeah so yeah that, that would be worthy do of you, WWE do you, do you do this is it Bobby without the suit or Bobby in the suit because the suit gives an unfair advantage like there's no way that Mal will be able to take out that suit. But if you bake them, if you skin on skin, I, my my money's on Mal. Well, yeah, she's got superpower. <laughs> it's on Mal. Yeah, but I mean, that's why Bobby gets the suit. Maybe she doesn't get guns or anything. She's just got like armor and. Strength. I don't know. Bobby's pretty badass without the suit. That's <sighs> true. Well, too, Melba so Melba big. had a suit too. Yeah, she did, and she but and she and, and hyped up. She was strong enough I to like burst out. I kept picturing Ripley in that. You know, the oh, cage yeah. with Ripley. You know, and that and Alien. She's like. Ah, you know, it's funny. We just watched that the other night, <laughs> Chrissy and I. Yeah, nice. Oh man! But, yeah, uh, I, 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 I really enjoyed reading Melba's uh, character. I don't. I shouldn't say I, I didn't necessarily like her, but I didn't dislike her. Um, she was there and interesting as hell, though. Oh, yeah, and flawed. I mean, again, someone that's very flawed. And even, like, when she kills the uh, the redhead guys, I forget his name, 
red. I want to call him red. But when he kills this red, like this comes continues haunt her, right? And well, yeah. And uh, so, um, and we haven't talked about Anna yet, but Anna says she she comes. She basically comes off saying that she's not she's not just a killer. That there's more to mm-hmm. her than that. Well, I feel like she spent so much time in the Melba personality, like pretending to be this person, that she got to experience a life without, well, not a life with completely devoid of it, but she was walking through the motions of living a life outside of the hate that she had surrounded herself in. And that kind of brought her conscience back Mm. towards the, you know, by the end. It's true. I didn't think about that. Didn't think about that. Well, she was, yeah, before that, she was just totally obsessed with getting uh, Holden one way or another. I mean, she tried to blow up a ship. Well, she blew up a ship, uh, you know, and planted things on it and, and just made a a big mess out of everything. While all everybody wants to do is go find out what this uh, gate is about and they have to deal with this nutcase. Yeah. You know, well, that's very true. So, yeah, yeah. Well, she's not the only nutcase on board, that's for sure. Well, <laughs> there's there's a whole pile of them, <laughs> whole pile of them in that ship. But uh, I, I would say that the word belter is synonymous with nutcase. Yeah. <laughs> 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 Yeah, uh, I think that's why it's a derogatory term. <laughs> it, it is, it is. But not all belters. Yeah, no. I mean, I mean, Naomi's fine. Yeah, Naomi's fine, and Sam's fine, and there's just, yeah. there's there's some good belters in there. And uh, well, who not, do you want to talk about not next? Hanging out with Fred Johnson. See, that's what oh. why they redeem themselves. That's right. <laughs> that's true. That's true. Like, I mean, we uh, we touched on Anna. Yeah, let's talk about Anna. Yeah. Anushka Volovodov. 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 Yeah. Yes. So a Methodist pastor from Europe. Uh, yes. And she's married. Yep. To uh, a Married to a lady from Africa, and they have a daughter. Yeah. But that really figures so uh, minorly into the story. This is just, uh, this. you know, James S.A. Corey really explores in part explores religion and the place that God has out in the stars. So that's one aspect of Anna, but Anna is also very central to Melba Coe's redemption um, and Clarissa Mal's redemption. But see, Anna wants to get home yes, and she wants to be with her family more than anything else, except that her curiosity and her quest for wanting to figure out what this is about overcomes that. Right. And causes her and, and her family some angst. Right. Because she always does this. <laughs> she always uh, yeah. says yes and uh, gets her in trouble a little bit. We know this, she's, is a character, this is a character I really liked. I did like her a lot. Throughout the story, both as a spokesperson... Uh, also having her be the one to rescue, she gets so hopped up in drugs because she's injured that she decides to risk it and go over to the Rosinante and save the Rosinante crew. And so she takes yeah. out, 
she takes out at least in part she helps take down clarissa mal and Mm -hmm. uh one of my favorite scenes is after her attacking naomi and after clarissa has you know spun her did her little trick with her tongue and she's curled up she has her duct tape to a chair and uh, (laughs) i was just visualizing it and here's this preacher lady that totally is not strong fearing for her life having this lady just duct taped to a chair Mm-hmm. yeah uh, and you know something else she, that i liked about her is she seemed to be the only person there who was thinking yes and not just reacting well i don't know i think bull was also thinking yeah uh but he was thinking along different lines. Oh, yeah, definitely. Definitely. I would agree with uh, that. Bull, uh, Bull couldn't give a crap less what this ring thing is about. You know, Right. He was uh, just he doing what Fred Johnson asked. He's concerned with the security on the ship and being sure the ship is running the way it's supposed to be. And Anna is out there looking for, well, let's just say it, the truth. She's oh, looking yeah. for the truth. She is. And I think that I think that is what compels her in the end to find the truth in uh Clarissa Mal, at least to some degree. It's a, it's a motivation, even though she doesn't want to do it initially. Oh yeah, she's asked mm-hmm. to to, yeah. to represent her. Yeah. Yeah. Which takes a lot. Let me tell you, you know, Bull, when we're t- you know, we're talking about Bull a little bit, the first one of the very first scenes with him I found so disturbing. When he spaces that guy doing drugs. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, like, he comes off as just cold and calculating. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But there's so much more to him than that. Mm-hmm. I, well, there is. But, like- but see, his interpretation of the law is you do something to endanger the ship, you're gone. Right. Which makes sense. I mean, they're out thousands of miles from anyone else. They only have themselves oh, well, rely on. Let's just say millions of miles when, right. they, when they're out past uh, past Uranus. I I liked him a lot. I thought in the beginning, you know, he was kind of a by the books hardball kind of guy, which was like, yeah, you know, give or take. But then when when things hit the fan, he is a natural born leader of the people. Right. I, like uh, like there's the captain. There's the um, the first, in, the first in command or whatever, and he's the only one who's got the head on it who says, screw all the politics, screw all the differences between us. If we don't come together right now, none of us will survive. And the best bet we have is like as one unit and, and get everybody get everybody on board. You can't, they can't all fight each other if we're all right here. Like they can't blow each other up unless they want well, to kill themselves. The, yeah, in the old days, you call it horse sense. <laughs> you know, yeah. the the guy was the guy was thinking at a level where everybody else is looking to maneuver and manipulate and increase their their position and everything else. This guy is looking at the bottom line: How do I survive this? Right. You know, and one of the things that after watching the show and then reading, I couldn't get the guy's picture out of my head. I mean. <laughs> the show they casted that guy so well although i couldn't understand what the hell he was saying half the time <laughs> but <laughs> cuz you yeah. know they have that that uh 
Belter Creole that they oh, use. Yeah. yeah. So. Well, and you're, you're talking about bull, right? Yes. Yeah, because bull isn't Belter, is he? Yeah, bull's not a Belter. He is. Uh, he's. he's oh, that's work- right. He was Martian. Yeah, he's, he's working for them. And yeah. one of the reasons he can't be in the higher up in the ship command is because he's not a Belter. Yeah. But, he, but, he, but he is the best man for the job. Right. And you see that quite clearly. I think one of my favorite things about him is when Sam makes him this, Sam and her crew make him this mech. So, you know, when they get through, when they go through the gate, everyone's like injured, right? And oh, including boy. Bull. <laughs> Bull. Bull is like paralyzed. Um, but Sam makes him this mech, this mecha that allows him to get up and move around and actually lumber throughout the ship. And I found that being a fascinating external extension of his persona. Yeah. In my head, I just imagined it being like, even though I know it's not because they mentioned it was like it was like a barrel that they kind of turned into a mech or whatever. In my head, he was just like a, a Western wooden barrel, like over the naked guy, you know, with the shoulder straps, <laughs> like wooden legs. He had like little things that he, little controls that he was using to move it around. I just I imagined. <laughs> oh my! Oh gee, David, thanks for that picture, man. <laughs> that, 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 that is an image. So right? every every time he's like, I was messing with the controls. I just imagined this like wooden barrel with these high tech controls at the top that he's messing with. Well, uh, you know, and then Bull Bull had figured out, or thought he had figured out, that he was going to be stuck uh, in sick bay in a bed trying to do direct something that he needed to be hands-on with right and and here comes uh, what was sam Mm -hmm. here comes sam with this thing to help him get around and he just gets all kind of mushy and everything about it which is not something i would expect from a guy named bull (laughs) right right I, I, it was about halfway through before I realized that Sam was a repeat character. Yes. <laughs> like, I just totally forgot about. Well, it's my, minor, really minor when they go into fix. She fixes the Rosinante when they go in in the first yeah. or second book. And mm-hmm. um, They basically just mentioned that she's good friends with when they were Na- having Naomi. trouble, like Naomi and her hug out or whatever. Yeah. But, um, yeah. I was like, oh, man, I totally forgot that, that she would. That's the same Sam. Yeah. Same Sam. Did, did uh, you guys dis- go ahead. Oh, hit it? No, I was just going to say it goes to one of the things that James S. A. Corey does so beautifully is to weave characters like that back into the story. Mm-hmm. They're like, oh, okay, I didn't realize that that was the same character. Uh, yeah. Anyways, you were going to say, I, I was going to ask, did you guys dislike Captain Ashford as much as much as I did? Oh my, I'm glad you brought him up because he is. <laughs> He is such an ass. There's nothing to like about him. There isn't. Um, yeah. He's a jerk from the get-go. Uh, when you first encounter him, like well, the, my first memory of him in the book is when Bull gets caught into account for spacing this guy, this drug dealer, and uh, and then um, and then also Sam gets like canned because she makes modifications to the ship that Bull told her to make, and then Ashford knows it but blames Sam. And it, you have that whole dialogue going on. So he's a jerk from it. He's really a jerk from the get go. And then, yeah. and then later on, you think, you think like when they mutiny, like, okay, we're done with that character. No, nope, not quite yet. They <laughs> have a second mutiny because one mutiny is never enough. And you, you bring him back into control of the helm and uh, things are just looking worse. 
Yeah, and he's got Melba next door in the cell next door who yep. he manipulates into helping him. Right. The guy was, he didn't give a crap about anything except for himself and his own glory and how he could make himself look good. Exactly. exactly. And that's why I didn't like the guy. Yeah. Well, and I think that was intentional. Yeah. Yeah. And then there was Michio Pa. What is you guys' take on her? Uh, that was the first officer. Oh, yeah. And she was a jerk, pa. too. Yeah, but less of a jerk. I thought... Like, she t- she's the one that took over when Ashford was canned, right? But, no, but yeah, but she had it, she had it out for Bull more than the captain did. But she wasn't as, she was threatened by him. Yeah, but she wasn't as jerky about it. Well, when when it was when push came to shove at the end, she admitted that they, they were better off on the better side or on the same side. Right. And she's I think, you know, when it when it came, she's like, Well, I'm the captain now, but really she was like Bull is in charge. Right. I'm just a figurehead almost. Right. Yeah. 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 So what did you think of her, Jim? Oh, you know, I she seemed to be kind of halfway between Ashford and Bull. Um, yeah. you know, she she was swinging kind of back and forth. You know, one minute it was like, oh, she's Ashford's person, and no, 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 she's gonna go with Bull now, and she's gonna take command and take care of things, and um, you know, the the power behind what caused the behemoth to survive was bull all the way with, with some help from Michio Pa. Right. Right. A reluctant help, I guess. Right. <laughs> right. Well, any other characters we uh, really need to talk about here? We, we did a nice job dissecting the characters this time. Uh, unless we want to talk about the gate. Well, yeah, I mean, you mean like the gate and the uh, the mechanical creatures on the uh... yeah, like what I think maybe that's I guess it's a plot point, right? Right. Yeah. Well, I guess so, but we can talk. We can start talking about plot points. But the uh, so, what do you want to talk about regarding the gate, David? Well, I just, I mean, as a plot tool, as a as you know, part of the story. What did you think? How did you? I really feel like we can cover. That's the main point of the book, really, is this this whole thing. Holden goes over there. He gets inside. He sees, like, he gets taught about how there was this there was this uh, species that made all these gates, and then something started wiping them out. And in order to stop whatever was wiping them out, they would just kill off a whole star. A and whole they, went into, like, they went into lockdown mode, yeah. in a sense. And so it's like, is there any of them still around? Is there any, what like... All these gates are locked, but we don't know what's on their side of them. Hypothetically, everything should be dead on the other side of them, but is it? Is, you know. And then you're brought up with like, well, hold it. Like Miller Miller Light says to Holden says, you know, I can unlock this. I can get you off a lockdown, but if I do that and I unlock the gates, all the gates are going to open. You know, it's like it's an all or nothing thing as a machine, and uh, um, and there's a lot of questions that's brought up by that. Like, so first of all. Are any of the original makers around after all these years? And if something didn't take out the makers, holy Hannah. Right. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. There's something even bigger and worse than the proto-molecule. And we just experienced that the past couple of books. And the proto-molecule seem, seem pretty BA. You know, you, 
you know, I was like, there were times I was wondering if humanity was going to survive. Right. Right. So now there's something worse out there. Great, mm-hmm. David. Thanks. Right. Yeah. It's all my fault. <laughs> it is your fault. But I, it is one, I, one of the things I really like, like about this series, and I don't know. You go back and forth probably where things come from is there's a lot of really good sci-fi tropes that I've seen elsewhere. So like you have the Rosinante and that feels like Cowboy Bebop or any real rogue thing. And right now it really reminds me of Farscape because Farscape had this trope where almost every one of their big bads eventually became part of their crew and like turned out to be, uh, you know, uh, 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 a good guy or kind of like a good bad guy. And they were part of their crew for a while. And how that kind of changed the heroes as they went along, kind of. That's why I kind of think what's going to happen with Clarissa Mao is could be something along the lines. But then, and then, but then I'm reminded of like Stargate and the mythos behind behind Stargate, where there was this ancient civilization that sent out these ships to just every planet it came by, it assessed the planet, it would make a, it would make a, a gate, and it would drop the gate, and then move on. And it was like thousands of years ahead of like the actual people who would follow behind and explore these. And so the, these civilizations would all of a sudden have these gates and, you know, how did it change their civilizations? And, you know, in like our world, like somebody used it to take over the galaxy. Right. It wasn't the original people like that kind of, that kind of thing we see here, like the proto molecule, I don't believe was we see is it wasn't an evil thing. It was sent out here before humans were around, but it was sent out to make this gate so that, the other species could then come here and do whatever their thing is like, right. Probably just inhabit the planets and live. Right. And, and not like, uh, destroy humanity since humanity wasn't there before. It's just protomolecule used organic material around it to make the thing that it was there to make. Right. And it just so happened when it got here, we were advanced. Well, right. when it, when it, when it got here, it got snagged by Ganymede and, uh, right. and got right. stuck there for years until right. we discovered it. Right. So, that's one of the things I really like. That, like, um, yeah. I don't remember what my point was. That well, we were talking was. about the impact of the gate. Uh, your thoughts on the gate, Jim? Okay, I'm. I'm just thinking that it it was not. I wouldn't call it a major major part of this book. To me, it was more there, and it was something that brought everybody together. So they could have their conflict out finally. The this thing that we've been building to, everybody wants to get there first and they're willing to do very bad things. So my thoughts on the gate are how is that going to figure into future books? Um, you know, are we going to get a intergalactic uh multiple dimensional uh, sort of a Stargate kind of story coming out of it, or is the gate, how significant is it? That's kind of where I'm at with it. I think that's kind of where you're supposed to be, because Miller Light's even like, Miller Light's at that Right. In the, in the book, even he's like, I don't know what's going to happen here, and I just want to hang out, and I've got questions, and we're going to hang out and figure out what's going on here. You know, what happened to the people, what, you know, how are we going to use yeah. these games? There's definitely, I mean, we mentioned earlier on the podcast that one of the things that James S.A. Corey does well is they answer questions, but they drop these other things that you want to know the answers to. Of course, you know, you know with this thing being a million kilometers across 
and sitting out there and nobody really knowing what what it's about, is that going to be the catalyst that brings the solar system, the people of the solar system together to work together finally? Or is it going to con- or are we going to continue to have these conflicts between Earth, Mars and and the asteroid belt? Well, if this was the Star Trek Federation, <laughs> you know, then maybe. But uh, yeah, that, I have a feeling that the way James S.A. Corey writes, that we are not looking at a very bright, conflict-free future for humanity. No. But then again, are we going, is it going to be a, an alliance forced on the people of Earth to get together to do something about about this gate? Or... Um, you know, what? what is its role in the future? I know you already know, so don't worry about it. <laughs> yeah. it I think it's interesting because it, 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 in a way, it creates a neutral zone as well because they they reset the security protocols, right? Yes. Yeah, so hypothetically, they can't fight in there or they reactivate the, the security protocols right. of the well, slow zone. So slow zone's so lifted, seems, but if you go in there and you pose a threat to the, the sphere, it's going to slow you down again, which I love I loved the mechanic of the slow zone. Right. I thought yeah, it was it's, it slow, was, it's like uh flying through jello. Yeah. It is. Yeah. <laughs> but I I mean I just I I remember I remember telling my buddy Chris and he was not as enthralled with it as I was that the moment of the big slowdown when they it thinks the sphere thinks it has everything at a safe speed, which is still pretty slow. And then they throw, they shoot a grenade, and then it's like, well, if something bad can go at that speed. Yeah, so down no, even more. Nothing's going to be able to go that speed anymore. And then, bam! Like everyone's dead. <laughs> and, yeah. it, and I would not have expected the writer to uh, the writer to come up with some excuse of how they all survive, like inertial right. samplers or whatever. But no, he's just like all of a sudden everything stops and people are just like cut in half by doors. And crushed against walls, you know. They talk about how the pillow, like like almost a pillow, almost smashes Anna, just because of the weight of that sudden stop. So, I thought yeah. that was really cool the way they just did that. So it yeah. is the you know the physics of the physics of the story are really neat because mm-hmm. we don't have those excuses like, well, you know, how come if you take off at warp one, you don't wind up splattered on the back wall? Well, we've got inertial dampeners. Right. Uh, In order to create the gravity on most of the ships, uh, they have to be moving. Right. Well, this is is a thing. It comes off in some ways as being almost hard science. Yeah. Because she tries to ground it in such reality as much as it can be. Yeah. And I appreciate it. Yep, I definitely do, too. It's definitely refreshing. Uh, But, you know, when you're talking about making a show, uh, making a movie or a TV show, it's uh, very handy to have inertial dampeners and artificial gravity and all those neat little things. (laughs) But you can make a story work without them as they do here. So you can. Um, All right, so... uh, we talked about that as a plot point. Um, any uh, scenes or other moments that stick out to you that you want to talk about? Uh, 
Like for me, I think we've already covered the big ones. I mean, yeah. I really like the yeah. inside the sphere, and I really like um, stuff that happens when bad things happen inside the sphere, the slowdown, and kind of the results of that. To me, that was like not it wasn't the the total climax of the story, but that that was that was the hook that kept me that that paid off for the whole book for me. Like that that scene. I think for me the the travel of them up the elevator shaft. So after they lose engineering and they they go up and you know Bull makes his last stand and and they're stuck up there and Naomi pulls her trick where she pulls out the second elevator and wipes out the other two guys and then they have to kind of get into the cabin and the Clarissa now you know switches sides and does her little chaos thing where she goes oh crazy in there that is like that sequence and then in the middle of it, Holden gets yanked out by Holden uh, Miller Light to stand naked on a planet somewhere to reminisce about what's happening next. It, it, the the whole sequence worked for me, um, uh, and there was different things going on, and and you saw, and it was it was good. It was it was just it was engaging and 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 and, and thrilling. Um, so that was one thing I liked. Um, was it um, the other character? This is a minor Tilly. Was that her name? Was Tilly the name yeah. of the uh, with Anna's friend? The friend, the rich friend, uh, the rich friend who uh, ended up being a someone who really knew Clarissa Mal well. Um, I really liked her character, um, minor, but she had this flippant way where she was like above the law, and like she could pay people to pay people off, but she's also kind of this strength to Anna in the background. Right. She was really no, annoying. She was very down to earth. Oh, yeah. Uh, no pun intended. <laughs> She's an earther. It's it's funny because her name was Tilly, and then she reminds me a lot of Tilly in Star Trek Discovery. Except for Tilly in Star Trek Discovery isn't confident. It's like, it's like they're at the opposite extremes, but the same character. You know, so like kind of annoying at first, but then you realize that they're a huge support. I can't think of any other plot points. I guess we can just go over kind of like where the ending is, where we think it's well, going. Well, Mr. Yeah, Rita how, about, already. how about any any themes that stood out? Hmm. Revenge is bad. <laughs> no. there's, a, there's a big thing on forgiveness with Anna. There is. Uh, and coming, and, and that's echoed both in, that's echoed in Naomi who chooses to give. And, Amos, who says, well, if Naomi can forgive, and James Holden wrestling with forgiving, even though this girl's done, like, literally nothing to him except to fame his name, but hasn't physically hurt him. Um, and then Anna has to forgive. And it's just, you're right. There's this huge echo of forgiveness and the fact that people can be redeemed, maybe, is kind of the echo coming through it and in through Melba Cole. I guess we'll see hypothetically where it goes. Yeah. Pants out. Hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so we have that theme. We mentioned that there's a spiritual theme of where does spirituality play into this discovery. Um, there's also, what's the word? Uh, like, uh, like when you are about your indigenous group 
what's that called? Oh yes, there's a, they're well, they 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 tend to hang out with their race, their yeah, ethnic group. Yeah, but even as like a species, humans, with the idea that there could be other things out there, and kind right. of like, do we want to even open up this, open right. ourselves up to this other thing? Like, should we just leave ourselves in here and destroy the other side of the gate? And, right, but. Hmm. Yeah. yeah, I don't know if that's a huge theme, but I don't think curiosity would allow them to destroy the gate. I think I think our human curiosity is going to uh, means that it has to be investigated and find out what it is uh, to the benefit or even more likely the detriment of the people <laughs> yeah. uh, of our solar system. Right, right. See, Scott, he's still got that. I know something. Yeah. No, no, no. But I, I, I'm thinking back to the curiosity piece of it, and uh, I think there's something there that drives this. And I think is one of the things that, at the end, when Ashford and whoever this pastor friend that was kind of going along with them, um, they were saying that you know it's this curiosity that has caused us to step beyond our means and we got to stop it so we can protect the human race mm-hmm. um even though essentially they would destroy the human race if they did that that mm-hmm. ah. well i think uh i think we've done a good yeah. job we did a pretty good job at kind of working through this yeah let's move on to our final thoughts and scoring of this uh of this series. Uh, and I'm going to tack on as I often do. Would you recommend this to a sci-fi reader or a non-sci-fi reader or as a jumping point for the series? Um, would you jump in on this book? <laughs> well, you I tried. did. You tried. I tried so it. Curious. You know, and so let, let me, let, can I answer first? Do you care, yeah, yeah. Jim? Can I jump in here? Is that okay with you? Do it. All right. So, uh, so this is the book that I jumped in on and began the series, and I didn't realize it was a series when I ran into it. I downloaded it from Audible and said, oh, this is a good book, and then I realized it was a larger series. So that being said, I understood the story. However, I don't know that I would recommend doing it that way. I think I would really recommend starting with the very first book and then moving on, because while... Those stories, well, each story we read has been a separate story. There are things in those stories that play into the larger arc. Like, you don't understand the depth of the relationship of the crew of the Rosinante. Um, the protomolecule doesn't have any context for you. But again, the story is really about the character. So was I able to delve in and understand it? Absolutely. But I would recommend starting with book one, then going in. I think the series is very accessible to certainly sci-fi readers and people that like hard sci-fi. But I would venture to guess because it's so character-driven that you almost forget the space stuff's almost secondary that someone who's not into sci-fi would enjoy this just as well. Uh, What about your rating? Uh, Five out of five. Okay, still, this is the third one in a row, right? Yeah, for this one, yeah. It's a five out of five. It's 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 well written. I, I have very few things that, I, you know, I, I read it again for the third time. I didn't skip ahead at any part. So, Jimbo. All right. Uh, as I said, I really enjoyed the book, and I liked the uh, the way the characters were written and the way they interacted. 
um, it was kind of, it was really neat to read what I'd already watched on the expanse and, uh, and it, that helped me visualize the characters a lot more. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, I'm, I'm looking forward to reading the next book and hopefully that that'll be coming up soon. And I'm going to just call this a five out of five. Okay. All right. Because I enjoyed it that much. Oh, and then you, you asked about, um, would I recommend this book to a sci-fi person? Most definitely. Would I recommend it to a non-sci-fi person? Also most definitely. But I would not recommend reading this without reading the first two books to get a lot of background that you'd be missing on Miller um, and, and his transition into Miller Light because it, would, it wouldn't make any sense. And the relationships, such, you know, like the, the Rossinate crew, uh, they were more like a family than, than a crew. And yeah. how Miller, or excuse me, how Holden got the ship and things like that. Uh, what I'm wondering, what I was wondering, though, Scott, was did you think that that this book was was standalone, or did you kind of wander in the wilderness wondering, I wonder what this is about, you know, and trying to figure out what was going on? So the uh, did I wander aimlessly? I think there were times that I did wander aimlessly that it bothered me um quite a bit um it's, but you know what the story held together overall there were just points along the way i said i wonder if there's more to this backstory i'm missing and then about three-fourths of the way through the book i realized that this was a uh a book that was part of a part of a much larger series and then just finished it out anyways um I, so did i wander in the wilderness a little bit yes um, was it enough to keep me from enjoying the book the first time I read it? Uh, no, I think I, I enjoyed it. I was compelled enough again by the characters and what I knew about them that made me want to know more. Um, it made going back to the first book then eventually all that more enjoyable because I got a, I got an in-depth look at who these characters were when they started out. Hey, thanks. Well, uh, do you have anything else, Jim, or, or are you ready for? No, I'm I'm good. Okay, for me, um, my overall impressions, I thought it was it was very very well done. Uh, bravo all around. I was I was really captivated by the story. I think this series is benefiting from our slow reading pace for me, uh, almost because I kind of start to forget things, and then when I come in, the he doesn't have a lot of like hit you in the face reminders. But like the small reminders are pleasant enough that they actually are uh, like, oh, yeah, that's right. You know, not like, yeah, I get it. Like, how many times do we have to talk about this dumb thing? Instead, I'm, instead I'm like, oh, yeah, okay, okay, I'm, I'm good with that. Like, I get what he's getting with this. This is, right. this is good for me. I love the character development. I love how, he, how each time we read a, one of these books, it's like new characters um, that make you feel like your investment is um, paying off in different ways. I think that's great. Uh, would I recommend it to a sci-fi reader? 110%. Would I recommend it to a non-sci-fi reader? I think of, of the three that we read, this is the least, like, although we said it's hard sci-fi and, like, the physics part, it's not fantasy sci-fi so much. 
I mean, it's there, but not as much as like the proto molecule stuff uh, was before. So I, I could, I mean, I think again, they would need to read from the beginning. I think a sci-fi reader could read this book and maybe just like Scott did want to go back and, and, and pick up some of that, uh, pick it up uh, because only because like I said, the way these books are written, they're very much like you're introduced to so many new things in general that it's not like beat you over the face with things you used to know. Um, there's enough new stuff that you could follow along with those storylines. I'm going to give it a four out of five. I don't think I liked it as much as the other two. Um, however, it was a delightful read the whole way through. Did we get Jim's uh, rating of it? Uh, he said five out of five. Okay, yeah. good. I'm glad we're thinking alike, even though you are not. You <laughs> we non- have, we have you both non- the last two fives you, out of fives. You nonconformist, you. At, at some point, if you give every book a five out of five, five out of five loses its meaning. So that's my <laughs> thought process on that. Yeah. So, hey, as long well, as I'm with Loot Man, I'm good. <laughs> Our overall rating is 4.6. It's still pretty high. So if you round that up, you're still going for a five. Yeah. Yeah. So, well, there you have it. That's our, that's our, our review of Abaddon's Gate. Uh, Next month, what are we reading? Well, we had a tie on the poll. We had the first book of The Wheel of Time and the last book of the Word of the Void trilogy. So, we have a decision to make here. Which of these books are we going to read? I mean... Okay. Go ahead, Jim. Yeah. I mean, all right, let's 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 face it. Terry Brooks, we've read two of the three. My vote... I, I, voted, for, I voted for this book on the poll, but if, if it were up to me, I would take Angel Fire East... Because I don't want to leave it hanging. I want to know what happens to Nest. Yeah, so I agree. Let let's complete let us let us let's complete the series, and then let's let's let Terry Brooks alone for a while, and maybe yeah. and maybe eventually in a year or two, maybe come back to like sort of Shinara. I am so happy with that idea. I do want to finish it because I kept saying, you know, I'll see it through the end. So let's go ahead and finish it, and then let's forget that Terry Brooks writes books for. For a long time. Yeah. For for a few months. Yeah. Right, right. Until he appears in the polar. (laughs) I didn't know I didn't know Terry Brooks himself was in was in uh the probably voting for himself book. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So uh great. All right, so we'll be reading that book, the 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 next uh, Word of the Void book uh by Terry Brooks. So are we just gonna are we gonna put a poll out and put the fourth a James S.A. Corey book on it? Uh, well, the next one... Yeah, well, sci-fi is, does, is sci-fi. It's sci-fi. So, so we got to put our other votes. Are we going to just make it all James S.A. Corey and just continue with just the series? All three, all of them. You want us to yeah. read them out of order? We'll yeah. do it. Yeah, <laughs> no, no, just put the same book like you did all, that all one four time. Times. All four times? Uh, well, I'll maybe. tell you what. Throw throw a poll up there, but I know, I know we're going to wind up reading Cibola's Burn. Yeah, I, I feel like... <laughs> Yeah, unless a lot of people come out against it, and we're going to wind up reading it. So, and if uh, they do come out against it, are we going to be completionists and say, "Well, we have to read this one anyway"? Yeah. Well, yeah, it's true. Forget what you guys want. <laughs> yeah, yeah, this yeah. is about us. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so much for the listeners, but uh... yeah, I guess we'll have, we got a month to decide while we're reading this fantasy book. So. Yeah, absolutely. Cool. Well, uh, this has been a lot of fun, and uh, so I think it's about time to say goodbye. But first. If you want to get in touch with us, there's many ways to do that. Find us at orbitalsword.com. You can hit us up at Facebook, facebook.com, orbitalsword. We also have a Patreon, patreon.com, orbitalsword. 
Or you can email us. I believe it's theorbitalsword the, at gmail.com. Yeah, I think so. Theorbitalsword at gmail.com. Did you mention the Twitter? I did not. Yeah, we, we have a Twitter. Holla. At Orbital Sword or is uh, it at the I think sword? it's Orbital Sword. Yeah, I think it's at Orbital Sword. I think the only thing that has the in the beginning of it is the, the, Gmail. Is the Gmail account. Um, yeah. Everything else is just Orbital Sword. Of course, you can interact with us any one of those places and we'll uh, gladly respond to you uh, in any way that we can. Uh, we also have a voicemail. What's that? So, Ooh, I don't know. What? So uh, you'll have to go to our website and look that up. I don't know. I don't know. One something 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 chat. I got it right here. How about okay, that? You, it's you read one it. two six zero five seven seven two four two eight. There you go. One two six zero five seven seven chat. Yep. Oh yeah. That's just a voicemail line. You can leave your uh, info there. That's right. You can do that. So thanks again for joining us on board the Orbital Sword. I'm David Moulton. I'm Scott Herzog. And I'm Jim Arrowwood, and join us next time on board the Orbital Sword. If I go to the sky, I will always see your smile. I will always see your smile. You're the angel. If I fall from above, I'll get caught with your love. I'll get caught. Jeez, you guys starting already, eh? You, you, you know that song by Lindsey Sterling we were listening to earlier? Yeah. Santa Baby? It's talking about Loot Master. The Loot Master. The Loot Master, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I can see that for sure. Yeah, definitely. That's all she needs is yeah. to come riding on a worm with a loot. <laughs> I wouldn't count on that. <laughs> <laughs> but Jim, it's Christmas. I know. Because <laughs> we'll miss you.
get cold inside Never get away Cause I will miss you